välkommen till 10 frågor. Jag heter Mia Redemo och i den här podden möter jag en salig blandning av personer. Och med tio enkla frågor försöker jag få en inblick i vem de är och deras tankar om livet och att vara människa. Till exempel, vad gör de lyckliga? Vilket är deras första minne och vad gör de riktigt arga? Vårt samhälle blir mer och mer polariserat och det känns som att fokus ligger mest på våra olikheter. Men kanske vi inte skiljer oss åt så mycket som vi tror. Är det egentligen så att alla människor går runt och frågar sig, är det bara jag? I detta avsnitt möter jag Inga, en isländsk och i detta sammanhang engelsktalande konstnär som beskriver sig själv så här. MFA-student av Akademin Valand, Inga. Inga's work is all about the gender construct and in particular self-representation, body modification and desire. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was a child? Yeah. I had many... (laughs) I had many aspirations as a child, but I think what I remember most is I wanted to be an architect uh, or a um, a pilot of a plane, but that didn't it didn't happen. <laughs> When did you decide that you wanted to be an artist? I don't think I ever like really decided it. It was kind of um, I was on my way to um, I had applied to the university to do like a tourist. Uh, bachelor, I don't remember what it's called uh, in English, but my mom had seen in the newspaper this like ad for the school of photography and she was like, why don't you send your portfolio there? So I did and they took me and after that I just couldn't imagine doing anything else. So it was kind of by chance. I never thought of myself becoming an artist at all um, up until that moment. It's so amazing when you find something that drives you so much that you just don't want to spend your time doing anything else really. And it doesn't matter if it's a job or not. Like it doesn't matter if you get paid for the work that you do. It's nice <laughs> if do you do it though. anyway. <laughs> I work a lot but nobody pays me for it. So oh my god. <laughs> them off I don't know <laughs> do you have an early memory which is related to like an artistic experience something that made you feel like okay this is this inspires me to be an artist earliest creative memory maybe was in Sardinia when I was like there as an exchange student when I first started to do like photography And it was really just because I was so incredibly lonely there that I that I needed something to do, you know. And I started to do all these self-portraits. And because uh, I, I had myself as a model, like I didn't have anybody else. <laughs> and I wasn't, I mean, I guess it's also because I'm always, I've always been like quite self-centered, you know. Which is not something that people like to to say about themselves, but I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Have you always been quite confident or are you confident? Yeah, that's a good question because I think to a certain degree, I think my confidence is fake. 
it's like something that I've learned to portray and uh, it com- I come across as very confident but it doesn't necessarily mean that I am <laughs> I think I, I tell myself things on purpose to kind of become confident to myself if that makes any sense like I will I for many years actually I've been like you know talking to myself in a mirror or something where like you're trying to convince yourself of something that maybe and it 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 works to a certain degree this convincing but it yeah I think everybody is confident and not at the same time like I don't I don't know if it's so it's not as black and white no and I think maybe more in private is when I lack confidence or like I won't show it to anybody when I do lack confidence what is your biggest fear I don't think I have much fear have we ever spoken about fear I mean I'm driven by fear Uh, so I think my fear is, and has been actually for a very long time, is that I will never lose my restlessness. That I will never be able to be in a place and just be okay in, in that place. I think that's a fear. And also something to do with like relationships and stuff. I have lots of fears, but I don't know if I'm like necessarily uh, aware of what exactly those fears are. What makes you angry? Discrimination. <laughs> makes, makes me really angry. What is it about discrimination that makes you so angry? You know, there are so many people that I love that experience so much discrimination. And I think that's maybe why I get so angry. Because it's kind of hits very close to home. Not, not that it affects... It doesn't affect me necessarily directly. In some cases, it can, but it's kind of silly because it makes it selfish. The anger towards discrimination, if it has to do with somebody that you know. But I think it makes it more real and it makes it easier to... I think I'm very empathetic, you know, like in general. And I feel very much for people. And 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 this is what I think the the repercussions of, of discrimination are can be so so extreme, and it's really the smallest discrimination can cause so much harm, and people don't realize that harm that they are that they are uh, enforcing or reinforcing, and it's something that I was also writing about in my essay that like. In school, we were actually taught to reproduce a lot of discriminative behaviors as if we were kind of beneficiaries of some kind of, uh, you know, privilege. And we were not. But it's like something that you are taught. In what way? Can you give an example? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you think about like how uh, people are othered in history books or if the the dehumanization in history books that like these history books I mean this was many years ago I hope that now it's updated but I'm not sure about that but that they are they are continuously enforcing this kind of white superiority which I really hate I think that all of these books should be rewritten without a 
point of departure which is like the west they need to be rewritten and like rethought and everything because i think in my in my essay i spoke about the body modification of hair removal and like the very racist histories that these this very simple kind of act has hair removal hair removal yeah, yeah. Because hair was used to categorize people and categorize races. And as a result of that, uh, white women were frantically going to these hair removal salons to avoid, to remove the racial marker. And that's how the hair removal trend of women started. And then later it became a consumerist thing. And I think this is one of the things that we are these things without anybody being aware of what kind of implication or like yeah what, what kind of uh, consequence it has in our society or where it comes from or you know it'd be much more uh, much better if these histories that are like hidden histories would be brought to the surface and like discussed like why why are we still doing this and if so then we should at least be aware of the history that these these practices have. I think that there's a lot of these kind of things. You know, that you are a woman if you have no hair on your legs, but that's ridiculous because everybody has fucking hair on their legs. Or not everybody maybe, but most people do. It's complete uh, fiction. Do you have a role model? I think one big role model for me has, has been... Uh, Alok Veit Menon, who is a gender non-confirming uh, artist and writer, poet, performer. They're just so amazing. I mean, I love Freddie Mercury. <laughs> we know that. I don't know if I consider Freddie Mercury a, a, to be a role model. I don't know exactly what I think about this. What is a, what is a role model? I mean, it depends on how you want to define it. It could be someone that you look up to someone that inspires you and it could be it could even be like a movement or like people yeah, are part yeah. of a movement be my i mean a lot of people from like the gender non-conforming community and artists and stuff like that are definitely extremely inspiring to me and i think it changes all the time i don't i don't just like when I when when I talk about friends, I never talk about best friends. I just like to say good friends, and and it's the same with this. There's no one person. There's many people. It's like a constellation of things that that inspire and something from from everybody kind of would would create a. a, a I mean, so many people are, are role models for me for different reasons. Who do you feel closest to? Here in Gothenburg? No, anywhere. I don't know. Nobody. <laughs> At the no, I don't. I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know if I have this kind of close thing. You know, what does what does that mean to you? Who do you feel knows? you the best I guess or who who do you feel that you can be completely yourself with myself do you like yourself yeah 
That's lovely. I think so. Mm. I think there's certain things that happened when I was younger that kind of limit any kind of friendship. But I'm always very or pretty open with people. But I guess it's a selective openness. Do you mind talking about what happened when you were little? Yeah. I had a, a friend and she was my best friend, which is also why I don't like to use that word best friend. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were friends for a long time, but she was a very nasty person, you know. But like really um, secretly nasty. You know, if I would tell her something in private, then she would like find a way to bring it up in a group of people or like for example my moustache for yeah like we were once in a car and she didn't just do it to me she did it to everyone around her and I think that that is her problem you know it's not us that was the problem and um, so we would be in a car like with some people and then she would like come really close to me and be like oh wow you have so much moustache, you have to get rid of it or something. And this is like not this situation that you bring something like that up. It's like intentionally meant to to break you, you know. <laughs> How old were you when when this happened? I think we were friends since we were five until like 14. So it's kind of probably... Someone you grew up with. Mm-hmm. Quite a bizarre thing and a lot of... Things happened, you know, in in relation to this person that kind of scarred me a lot, you know. And I wasn't aware of it until, like, I guess a couple of years ago, how extremely, how how much it actually affected me. And how do you feel that it's affecting you now? I think it affects me that I won't share things as easily but now I'm trying to I'm working on it actively you know so I'm like breaking unlearning these kind of like behavioral this wall yeah I'm uh, yeah I think so but it's so sad isn't it I mean it's I feel sad for her yeah I mean obviously it's there's a reason why she acted the way she did I mean, a happy person doesn't treat other people badly. No. But that that still doesn't... It doesn't take away what effect it had on you. Exactly. And that's two different stories. Mm-hmm. And what's so wonderful about this is that you're a person that understands that you can change that. Like, you can re rewire your own brain... The memories will still be there, and you can't change the past, but you can change how you let it affect your future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is possible, and it's not easy. Not allowing that person, for for what, whatever reason she did, to act the way she did, controlled the way you continue living your life, or your personal relationships, or letting someone else come close to you, or trusting people. Yeah. I mean, it feels like that's what it all comes down to, trust. Yeah, it actually makes me really angry that I still think about it, you know, <laughs> that it still has this kind of effect. And I think I'm extra, I'm, I'm really trusting of others. And that's maybe also kind of a problem. 
it makes it easier to get yourself into situations with people that maybe are a little bit toxic or do you feel that people take advantage of your kindness yeah it has definitely happened many times (laughs) but less now maybe but I don't like to project on people other how other others have behaved. So I always make sure that everybody is good from the start until they prove me wrong. So and then you find some gems in there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you happy? Singing. <laughs> I think that's what makes me happiest. Just singing. Are you a happy person? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think now I have more... I have a more spectrum of emotion than I did before. And I think it's because I allowed it to happen. I think kind of um, opened the gates. (laughs) Oh of of um, different emotions so I will feel a lot more like dramatic ups and downs than before but in general I'm more on the up upper thing upper scale upper scale of of happiness I'm I'm very I'm a positivist you know at heart I, nothing is a problem even if it is so that's also something that I think that is a bit a problematic problem. yeah <laughs> I think it's when you're so convinced for so many years of... Or when you convince yourself for so many years of something, it's really difficult to break that pattern of, like... Yeah, of pretending to be always on the up. If we talk about this semester, for example, and somebody's like, how are you, you know? I'm like, oh, great. But really, I'm not great, you know? completely overwhelmed and overworked and anxious and stressed but also I don't think so much about I I don't think anxiety or stress it comes out in bodily form so I don't realize it and I don't know why that is really what do you do to relax usually I just watch some shit television because I feel like it's it's the best way to turn off the brain but that being said, I don't think I know how to relax anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Why? Why do you find it hard to relax? Because of my own expectations of myself. But I think maybe I, I, I forgot how to relax without stimulation. Which I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like I never go for walks or anything like that, which seems... Which probably would be very relaxing, but... Uh... So by stimulation you mean watching TV mm-hmm. or listening to music? Yeah. But I think I, I've been relaxing now for two days, binge-watching Netflix. And I feel very relaxed now. But I'm not sure if, if it was actually relaxing. It was like a false relaxation? Maybe. But also I think... I think this consumer's idea of like relaxing... Is I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know what relaxing is necessarily anymore. I think I I watch the TV so that I don't think about what, all the things that I have to to do or whatever. But it's not like a relaxing thing actually. It's like a block 
distraction. It's a distraction. Yeah. So I think it's the problem I that I maybe don't value boredom as much as I should. Because I think hypothetically boredom is amazing and we should all be bored, etc. But I think being bored it's is boring. It's boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my final question is, which I think this question was made for you. Which is your favorite karaoke song? Ooh. I mean, I think my go-to karaoke song is always Sweet Transvestite from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's just, I don't know why, but it's a very important song to me. <laughs> I think it's interesting how you relate to certain songs or certain movies or and why you have such a strong r- relationship to these specific songs. But also something that some songs that I love, somebody to love with Queen, because I just, I'm a show off, you know. <laughs> Thank no, you so you much for talking to me. I love you. Tack för att ni lyssnade på 10 frågor med mig Mia Redemo. Musiken var av Staffan Ramsby. Följ gärna 10 frågor på Instagram och SoundCloud. Hej då.